0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. You
1: just be sitting up there jacking Pepsi.
2: I'm there for the pack out, you just gotta pack me in committed to the bow early on like I love getting close and putting up you cover a range of stuff on here too right like we call this the uh the THP world headquarters you know my grandpa Roy Weatherby
1: I came into like that golden little pocket where there was like four or five different poles. just
0: you're Canadian we're doing a Canadian podcast my name's Douglas
1: I'm Robbie Denning I got my notes here Okay.
3: Oh, nice. <laughs> <There we go. laughs> Those are my kind of notes, Peter, right there.
1: Okay, good. We're going to get along just fine. <laughs> yeah, nice. So you got uh, got a couple kiddos, eh?
3: I do, a nine-year-old and a three-year-old. The three-year-old just turned, th- or sorry, not uh, three, seven-year-old. What am I saying? I'm thinking March when I say three. Yeah, he just turned seven uh, last week. So it's a pile of fun, oh. but, uh, but, busy, but busy. Oh, shit. Nice.
1: My seven-year-old just turned seven on last Saturday, the 4th.
3: Oh, yeah, he's the 7th. So oh, just, yeah. a, just a couple cool. days off there, yeah.
1: Yeah, boy or girl. Both both bo- bo- both are boys, yeah. Oh, killer. Yeah, that's cool, man.
3: It's uh it's it's a blast, as uh I'm sure you know, but um Man, oh man,
2: <laughs> that's a that's a fun age, but it's busy.
3: I, I didn't have this much gray in my hair, uh oh. you know, nine to seven years ago.
2: Yeah, I've, I've my hair much older. I don't know if I want to show you where it goes. <laughs> oh, no, just just leave that fucking <laughs> hat on over there. Yeah, it, it's not good. <laughs> that sun that sun
1: coming in is going <laughs> to shine her off that thing. Oh, oh yeah. my god.
3: <laughs> well, I and I started just preemptively shaving my head in preparation for the hair loss oh, yeah. that was coming. So just everyone's used to it, right? It'll just get shorter and shorter eventually.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Mine, I've I got a 22 year old. My youngest daughter is turning 19 and <clears throat> on St. Patty's day. Oh, nice. And then the other boy here is he's 17. So yeah, the teenage years will do you in. I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to share your code for you. There's no point. So enjoy. You got the fun age right
3: now. <laughs> well, and, and you know what the funny part is? Like every age and stage you hear somebody who's a few years or many years ahead that says, oh yeah, enjoy that. Right, and then there's somebody even older says, "Oh yeah, enjoy that." Yeah, and uh, it's you hear it so much, like it's it's obviously what you should be doing. But but fuck me, is it hard some days to to enjoy it?
1: (laughs) Oh man, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, Um, (laughs) some days, and it's funny. I tell people all the time, like I can't even remember what Wyatt was doing. Wyatt's my oldest, so he's -hmm. he's 11, and I was telling Pete something, and Pete's fucking laughing at me. He's like. Doesn't get any better, buddy. It doesn't get any better. You <laughs> don't <The laughs> old... lie with a straight face and tell yeah. you. That. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally.
3: I, I uh, don't even
1: remember what he's doing, some bonehead fucking thing that he does. But Jesus. Yeah. yeah I, totally I think normal. that's the way of, the way
3: of boys, right, is bonehead, bonehead shit.
1: They're into the outdoors and got him doing all that stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I yes, it would be the short answer. Um We've done, you know, a bit of fishing here and there. We do a fair bit of camping and that sort of stuff. Take them out on hikes. Like we're, where we live, we're like, I don't know, three, four streets off of, well, what used to be green space. And that's now all getting developed back there in Thompson Flats. But, you know, we're Crazy. a w- one-minute drive and a, a few minutes of walking. And we're in Myra or, you know, 12 minutes yeah. down to one of the trailheads into the park, right? So we do a lot of that. I took Hudson, he's our eldest, um, out for his first, we'll call it a hunting weekend but it was, you know, go shoot the 22. That was his first time shooting a 22. It was just nailing pills cans. It was great. Um, awesome. And then tried, tried to get him a grouse and he was right into it. Um, but I haven't been like pushy on it and I'm yeah. not saying that it's not good to expose them younger, but you know, I would ask and if they'd say, no, I'm good, never really forced it, but we've done lots of, you know, campfires up, you know, Gillard and stuff like that. So getting them as much exposure to that as possible, um, but uh, like Hudson, like even just last night, he came back from swimming lessons, and I'd made some elk sausages. He's like, "Why didn't you tell me you were making elk sausages? If it's elk, I'll eat it." And he like, he, That's I pull awesome. out, I pull out like some elk strip loins and he will take down like a a strip loin that fills me up. So he's, I think he's kind of starting to get the bug, um, yeah. and uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm. It was one of the reasons we moved here from the Lower Mainland was. I grew up in on a farm in eastern Ontario, about an hour west of Ottawa. And so I just grew up on in in the outdoors and really wanted to be able to to expose them to that. My wife's from here and that was a big part of why we moved here as well. And uh and so we were, were pretty happy to be here and you know, not have to drive, you know, for like however many hours just to get out of, you know, the urban crawl and the rush mm-hmm. of, of the Lower Mainland. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah that's one thing. Uh I'm from up north and so I moved down here. Oh man, 2000. I don't remember what. Been down here for a while, 15 plus years, and mm. that was one of the nice things. But I mean, uh, up there, you don't. You can just. You're walking distance, and you're fishing, or you're in the yeah. backcountry, but um, you need an umbrella. That's a problem.
3: Up <laughs> Whereabouts up north?
1: Prince Rupert. Oh yeah, fucking right. So you need wet an umbrella, up there. Yeah. 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 Not nice. Yeah. No. Nice Pete was up not there. Nice. Pete... Pete, he
2: did uh stint up there too. That yeah, was long enough. Three, three long, wet years. Still raining right. my clothes out. <laughs> <laughs> I,
3: I've, n- I've never been, I mean, I've been, um, we've spent a fair bit of time goat hunting up around Stewart and, and Terrace and stuff like that, but I've never made it all the way out to, to Rupert. But, uh, and I've only gone that way in the winter, which, you know, mm-hmm. I can, I can deal with the precip when it's snow. Um, but, uh, you know, rain, like I know Rupert gets, that's just, that's just not my thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you guys just really seem to love that winter goat hunt. Nolan was on a couple of weeks ago, wasn't he, Pete? And and yeah. uh, we were talking about that, and like, man, that's not an easy hunt.
3: No, no, it was. Uh, they're uh, they're fun though. I mean, just look, there's lots of guys out there, gals for that matter, that they just are like, not nah, you know, minus twenty, not my thing. You know, kind of like I just said about rain. But uh, it started. I'm sure Nolan said this, but it started from wanting to get out after, well, I think it start was had Nolan started guiding it. He might've just started wrangling the first year he and I went with a buddy who lives up in terrace and, uh, we were trying to plan a goat hunt together. And we'd actually looked at, um, that, uh, there used to be, and I don't know if it's still there, but a little GOS zone up by, uh, Donald station. Um, and so Nolan and I were actually planning to do that. And then, um, this, our, our buddy, um, uh, brain cramp, brain fart, um, He, uh, he was like, guys, you got to come up here. There's this little GOS zone late season. It's winter. The big billies are down low, blah, 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 blah. And so we stood on that and kind of caught the bug from there. It's, uh, Mm -hmm. I I like winter a lot. Like I'm, I'm good with winter and, uh, and yeah, I mean, they're just, it's just a different, it's a different feel in the mountains in the depths of winter than it is in, you know, September, October, you know, those sort of time frames.
1: Complete frostbitten.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you know, well, first, yeah, first year, I mean, you want to talk about learning some hard lessons on gear that first year we went, I mean, just all the mistakes in the book. Um, but, uh, after that, you know, it's, that's the one hunt I would say that I've been on where you can't really make mistakes with your gear. Like you can, you know, mess around with, yeah, I can buy, you know, whatever subpar rain gear or, you know, subpar tent or, you know, a half decent tent, but that's the stuff where like, everything's got to be solid mm-hmm. or you're, uh, you're not going to have a very fun trip.
2: You're going to push that gear to its limits too. So Absolutely. it's not going to take you long to figure out that, okay, it's not bad or it's junk. Yeah. Versus, yeah. okay, I'm spending the extra money on this and then. Totally. Like, totally. Yeah, it, you're gonna. It,
3: and that first trip was the one where I, it was the last time I've ever taken a down sleeping bag hunting. I will literally never do it again because of that trip. Cause of, we I mean, we had a pretty gnarly camping situation, um, but, you know, sometimes that happens. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, by the end of the second day, my down sleeping bag was, you know, as thin as a, like the middle sheet <laughs> in, in, in your bed. Like it had it had lost every single ounce of its loft and it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. So that was, that was, like you said, Pete, that's where you, you realize like there's certain things that you're just not going to budge on. And, and that for me, from that day onward or that trip onward was, was synthetic sleeping bags.
1: Yeah, no doubt. I guess I must. So what was it that really drove you to like the outdoor industry like this type of hunting cuz coming from northern ontario you don't have like oh god what, no. were, what were you hunting out there whitetails turkey White
3: whitetail turkeys weren't even a thing for me and, 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 it, and it pisses me off to this day because so turkeys had been hunted out and like where i grew up there in the ottawa valley um it was used to be just phenomenal turkey area um and uh, they've been hunted out and i grew up in a in a farming family so we had countless I mean countless acres of, of private land to hunt mm. and um, not a turkey to be found and then I think it was right around the time I, I moved away to go to university um, I don't know who was behind it maybe it's I think it's OFAH, Ontario Federation of Anglers and Hunters on, on like our BCWF out here um, they had invested heavily and put a big big effort into bringing the turkeys back and then you know midway through university and I mean in just a few years I'm getting text messages from my dad of like 30, 30 turkeys in, in our, in our back 40, I'm like, geez, like I <laughs> could have just walked out the door and gone hunting, right. Growing up, yeah. but no, I grew I grew up hunting white tails, white whitetails and wolves predominantly. Oh, Those really? are the two big ones. Um, bears were more of a, um, you know, opportunistic thing. And then I never really got into the moose hunting side of things. It was all draw, uh, unless you drove way into Northern Ontario, which, you know, a couple of my family members did, um, but I was, I was too young when they were going or they, they thought I was too young when I was going. And then, uh, and then, yeah, by the time I was, I'd kind of aged to the point of wanting to go, um, you know, some sports and stuff like that, it really started to eat into my, my, my hunting time. But yeah, whitetail was it for me, man. Like, you know, from as early as I can remember, it was, it was whitetails. I was pretty, pretty obsessed at the, at a young age.
1: Yeah. So what drove you over?
3: Oh, West two things work, um, and in the mountains. Um, I did always, even as a kid, Um, I had been just fascinated with mountains and mountain species. So like, I remember flipping through magazines and just, you know, monster mule deer, like they, to me were just, I couldn't even fathom it as like a 10, 11, 12 year old. Right. And then elk to a certain extent, but I remember like, shit, I couldn't have been more than 11 or 12, (laughs) not knowing like it cost a lot of money to go and hunt mule deer in like Wyoming, but like going to my cousin, who was like my, my number one hunting mentor, he was four years older than me. Like, Hey, we should go on a mule deer hunt. Do you know how much of those things cost? I'm like, I don't know, like a couple hundred bucks, you know, I'll cut more lawns or something. And he's like, they like 5,000 or something like that. But yeah, I had uh, I just always been, you know, sort of fascinated by and with mountains and, you know, did a lot of skiing and stuff like that as a kid. So like that part of it. Um, but then, uh, and then, yeah, just, it was back in Ontario, Toronto specifically, which I was there for four months, which was three and a half months too long and just said, screw it. Like, I can't, I can't do this this you know giant city thing you know vancouver is obviously a plenty big city but it was you know you could be in a place like north vancouver where i i lived when i lived in vancouver for most of the time was in north van um and you know 10 minutes you're on a trailhead and i used to do a lot of trail running and in 30 minutes you could feel like you're in the in the middle of nowhere and so uh it was yep it was the mountains and then the work of course as well
1: right right so so did like when you when you first moved here is that you just dove right into like, cause like you're known for doing these crazy, you know, high Alpine, you guys, like the whole, your whole thing is doing these high extreme hunts. So is that one thing that you just dove right into?
3: No, it took a couple of years. I, I mean, because of what I was sharing about mule deer, I mean, that was, that was all I wanted to do when I moved out here. And, and, you know, as I, as I got older and became, it's not like I wasn't aware of elk, but started to read more about elk hunting and, and get, you know, sort of interested by that. That was always really fascinating to me. I'm really, you know, enticing. But those first few years, I mean, one, I didn't know a single person that, that hunted. I didn't know anybody when I moved out here. My sister was out here and that's it. And she was, she worked in the restaurant scene. So they weren't exactly, uh, my people. Um, at least the Vancouver scene wasn't, um, and, uh, and so I didn't really have anybody to hunt with for a while. And then, you know, eventually found some, some guys to get out with. And we did a lot of region five, um, mule deer hunting, stuff up off the, the Coca-Cola, uh, as well. Um, got my first like Alpine buck up, up that way, you know, just not, not that far a drive off right of the lower mainland. And then, and this is, this is what set it off. Kevin was I'm flipping through a, I think it was a BC outdoors magazine. And this guy wrote an article where they went up North by jet boat, 14 days and they got three stone rams and three six-point elk. Wow. And I was, I, ho- I hope I can swear here. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And I was like, holy <laughs> Calm fuck. Calm down. <laughs> holy fuck. I can do this here. <laughs> and after that, there was just, there was nothing else on my radar. I mean, I, I hunted, yeah. you know, mule deer, black tail bears and that sort of stuff. Um, You know, down down south, we'll say. But after that, there was only one, one place for me to go every time yeah. I could and that was and that was up north
1: yeah that's cool that's the hardest thing is like I couldn't even imagine like a heart you know how like to find a good hunting buddy it's tough man especially oh. coming from a place like I grew up here so you mm-hmm. know and I've always like man like we uh, there was always somebody to go hunt with like my brothers mm-hmm. my cousins my dad mm-hmm. you know and then I moved down here and then like my cousins my brother my dad and like friends mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. always had somebody and like not saying that they're the greatest guys to hunt with, but at least it's somebody and like, somebody, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, the old saying it's harder to find a hunting partner than it is to find a wife. And Indeed. Man, it, it's definitely, uh, oh. it's definitely one of the, one of the hardest. So when did you and, uh, when did you and Nolan first meet?
3: Well, that's a good had question. You started,
1: sorry, sorry. Had you started the journal already? And like,
3: no. So I moved out in 2006 and um, you know, got got set up with a job, um, and was was plugging away at that, and eventually um, went off on my own and started my own business in, in in that career field, which we can get into if you want, but you know to save time, I, I don't need to. Um, and then we had our first kid, and I was starting to get kind of tired with with the job, and was like, I, I had actually just sold the business, and was working with the company that bought it um, in like a transitional deal, like often happens. And I just started to get a bit of an itch. And this is like, at this point, the mountain hunting sickness to come back to your earlier question had had set in hard. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. it was all I was doing. And I got to give my wife credit because she'd come, you know, walk by me on my laptop. She's like, are you on? fucking hunting BC again, like <laughs> back, back when it was, you know, different, we'll just, we'll just say, right. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, and I was just like, that's where I spent all my free time was like, you know, put in some subject and just read through posts and the odd guys, you know, would, would post some long stories and photos and that sort of stuff. So anyways, I was spending every kind of free moment reading that stuff and then you know whatever a kuyu blog post would come out or a sitka blog post would come out and they used to do it like a ton more hunting stories and uh-huh. i just eat those up and anyways coming back to what my wife was saying she's like you know maybe you should try and do something you know in this space uh-huh. you know you're you're obviously kind of bored with you know, back to being an employee and, and all that stuff I started the journal a few months after that was august uh 2014 we, we launched it uh, so it'll be uh nine years i guess nice. uh, this august is that right is that the, the good math six three yeah um so um so yeah no i hadn't i hadn't launched the journal i think i just launched it when when, or I had just started it when i met nolan so I, actually that's right i had met nolan because of it he had uh-huh. been a, an early you know whatever subscriber to the newsletter and stuff like that and uh we just kind of struck up the old age old you know you know, whatever talk mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. on social and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then, yeah, from, it was kind of the, the the rest is history from there.
1: Yeah. So how long were you doing the Journal on the Mountain before Beyond the Kill, the podcast kind of kicked into gear?
3: Yeah, it was about a year and a half. So when I, um, the reason I started the Journal of Mountain Hunting was not to make it about me and my hunting exploits because, you know, I was pretty new to the West, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't. Yeah. A super experienced mountain hunter. I started that because it was what I wanted. Right, I wanted a place I could go to on a regular basis and scour through forums or wait for a blog post from Sitka, Kuyu or whoever to kind of scratch the itch of. Look, I live in the city, but all I really want to do and think about is is you know backcountry or mountain hunting. And uh, you know, I I'd been you know spending so much time looking into this stuff, I realized there wasn't really like a source of information, like a single source of information for this material. And so, um, I don't know, whatever, I guess you could call it a bit of another sickness, but I'm kind of a guy who's like, well, maybe I can, can create that. And so started it with it. Yeah. The idea being that it was a a digital magazine. So every, we release, you know, a set number of articles every month, we had a bunch of people, you know, that would write in or submit stories and, and that sort of thing. And we just updated every month with a whole bunch of new, new content. So that was, uh out for probably a year and a half or so. And then I uh, decided to start the podcast. Cause again, I was listening to a lot of podcasts and, uh, realized that there wasn't a lot, uh, you know, in the, in the mountain and backcountry hunting space. Yeah. And, and again, not to share my cool ass stories, it was to bring on people that knew a lot more about this than I did. So I can learn from it and share that with, with others.
1: Yeah. Cause I imagine when you've got into it, there must've been very little stuff in the, was, in terms of was, podcasts. Yeah. Yeah. I think
3: Kafar. well, Kaparo cast wasn't around then would have been gritty Bowman before that changed to just gritty and then yeah. everything else. Um, and then there was uh Jay Scott, Jay Scott had yeah. his, had his podcast. There, there might've been a couple more, but, but not much yeah. talking Western or mountain or backcountry hunting.
1: No, no, definitely not. I mean the amount of plug Pete and I've talked about before, like even yeah. since mm-hmm. I started this one in 2019, man, there's a lot now. But, uh, and then, and then there was, uh, the other guys from Kelowna here, um, the rookie hunter guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I really enjoyed, really enjoyed listening to you guys go through that whole, um, like your podcast, their podcast. Yeah. It was really neat. Um, yeah, that was it. There wasn't a lot. I didn't even think like meat eater was, was after you guys. Wasn't, wasn't.
3: It was. Yeah. yeah. They didn't, uh, they didn't have a podcast yet. I think, th- I think they were pretty, you know, hot on, not that they were hot on our heels, but they weren't far behind launching yeah. meat eater. Um, at the time, but, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it was out either.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no doubt.
3: So do you have any,
1: so like with your editing and like the journal is, do you have mm-hmm. any background in that? Or like, cause I mean, like, man, you guys, like, I assume, I mean, Nolan gives you credit for, for doing all the work, but, uh, you do a great job over there on your guys' webpage. And let me obviously with the podcast too, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really awesome just to see. Well, I, I mean, like the whole thing, how you, how you kind of, like you brought Wardo in like, when when did mm-hmm. you meet Wardo?
3: Wardo and I go way back. He and I met when I was in, in my other career and uh, he came to see, I was a, a clinician, a certified pedorthist. So what most people would think of as who you go to to get orthotics, custom orthotics done. Um, and so Wardo came to me as, as a client, patient, whatever you want to call him, you know, this pint-sized little dwarf. <laughs> it's into my office. <laughs> Uh, you know, if, if he was a Lord <laughs> of the Rings character, he'd be Gimli through, and through. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he walks into my office, you know, that's, I mean, he's still full of piss and vinegar, but he certainly was back then. And he was, uh, I'm sure he's maybe talked about it with you guys, but he was uh, a pretty serious track athlete at UBC. Um, and so that was the first time we met. And then it was probably a couple of years after that, we, we took our first crack at trying to um, create a like a fitness program or training program for, for mountain and backcountry hunters. And, uh, my background isn't in, you know, strength and conditioning or anything like that. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a, was always around the periphery of that. Cause you know, when I was a pedorthist, I, I worked with a lot of, a lot of athletes. So I had, you know, some knowledge around that, but I wasn't a trainer or, or a coach or anything like that. So, um, uh, another guy who was working with me at the time, he was good buddies with one of Wardo's good buddies. And so just kind of in, in a weird twist of fate, Wardo kind of came back into, you know, my circle, my life or whatever. And he was a part of getting that first program off the ground. Um, and then we just kept in touch ever since. And so he joined shit. I'd have to go back and look where he came on to be part of the podcast, but it's going back probably two years now or close to at least.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We haven't had Wardo on, but, uh,
2: wardo's the one
1: that you were testing his that's yeah when you're scale busted you're in Yeah, it, right? i met wardo at hardcore and uh ken the old owner ken was trying to sell him something that he didn't need and i was like no no don't don't go this way go this way and like it all worked out and that's how i met him oh no nice. we chatted back and forth and then i had knee surgery and so i started work with him and then we got a, i mean we're both into bows and stuff so but uh yeah i, I really i really like wardo he's a He's a good shot. Oh, he's,
3: he's, he's one of the most fun guys you can spend some time in the backcountry with. Goes yeah. hard and can't can go hard, but also never takes things too seriously. He's, he's, <laughs> yeah. a, he's, a, good, he's a good hunting partner.
1: Yeah, for sure. And and uh, yeah, you guys had his first hunt there was um uh, the film you guys put out when you took him to the Kootenays elk hunting. It was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: I mean, looking looking back on that, it was you know the the classic line of you know you shouldn't hunt where you want to hunt. You should hunt where the animals are. We, we, we didn't, we didn't follow that, uh, that rule very well. We went where we wanted to go. That would look, not that it would look cool. Like we know that there's elk in there and some, some crankers have come out of that general area. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it was definitely a trial by fire for, him. but he, you know, Wardo handled it no problem. You know, fitness and toughness was never an issue with him. All the other things that come with, you know, being successful as a hunter, you know, there was a learning curve, but uh, that dude, in typical fashion, sure uh, shortened it. That's for it, sure.
1: <laughs> well, you know, I love Wardo, but you can't be taking him on his first bow hunt and, and be tagging an elk. I mean, that just doesn't work that way. You need a bit of humility.
3: Well, seriously, well, especially in the West Coots, right? Like, imagine if like a real West Coots bull had had come out oh, for him and he got the chance to arrow that. And I remember even saying that to him. I'm like, I might, if this actually goes well, this could ruin you. Just so you know. Oh yeah. And, and, uh, and luckily it didn't go well. And, uh, and he's had to earn his, earn his stripe since then.
1: Yeah, man. It's, uh, it, yeah, you, you gotta earn it for sure. Especially if an archery bull, man, you get it too easy. And I know guys who've gotten it easy. I mean, not just elk, just in general, they go out the first trip, you take them out. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the stars just fall in line and they get it and they're like, Oh man, this is awesome. This is easy. And then yeah, it, it just, it okay. Listen, it's, it's not like this every time just so you know like you know next year when you go out it's not going to be like this like this was this was awesome that it happened this way but man like you could wait 10 years for shit to go down like this and it doesn't always work that way and they have to learn <laughs> the hard way and a lot of them I find too they kind of just get discouraged They're like ah, oh, it's too hard it was way mm-hmm. easier before and like I think it's kind of better to to build it up a little bit to you know it's go awesome. through those year or two of suffering
2: so how many years do I have to go through that, Kevin? <laughs>
1: hey, <laughs> the suffering. You had, dude, you had your shot. You had, he I has a bull at 14 yards and he, he doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't, he's like, no, I'm not going to do it. More okay. like I, I fucked up and forgot to take my quiver off
2: my bow and my knocks hit the edge of my oh. tree stand and the thing locked eyes on me and it oh. was painful to watch it. It didn't run either, but I couldn't move. He froze. <laughs> he froze.
1: <laughs> he froze. Painful. It's stage panic, he froze. He couldn't. I would have sent that fucking arrow. Have been every freaking year I get a chance and something goes wrong.
2: Next time I'm just gonna have a knife in my mouth and I'm jumping down regardless. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the bow, leave it up on the rack.
3: There. A couple of ninja stars in the in, tucked in That's the front right. the bino, the bino houch, or pouch or poucher harness, right? I'll just have yeah. the
2: first aid kit strapped to the bottom of the tree.
3: <laughs> it's so yeah. true though, Kevin. Like. I, uh, I, I had a, I, I got really lucky on my, my first real Northern hunt. Um, first morning, uh, of this first hunt uh, end up getting, uh, a seven by six bull up and up and just off the musqua And, uh, I had obviously since, because I grew up hunting, I'd hunted enough to know. And I remember this, I'm walking up on them. I can't believe like this has happened. And, uh, and this was a rifle, not with a, with a bow. And I remember in my head going, you're going to have a dry spell after this brother. There's no question. Cause it was just like 99% luck, a little tiny little bit of skill. Um, and, uh, and lo and behold, it was 10 years before I got another one before I got another yeah. elk. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's, it's tough, man, but at least that's what I mean. Like you got to go, you got to go through a few growing pains before you just get one. Cause it just see, to me, it seems in my experience, the people who, who get that right away, that just kind of ruins it for them. And then they just mm-hmm. expect it and they expect it to be easy. And it's like, Man, it's not easy, especially elk. So I mean, it's uh, it's it's in it's in Wardo's best interest that he had to endure a little suffering and not trip.
3: <laughs> I agree, I agree.
1: Yeah. So, but you guys put some great films together, man. You know, props to I you guys. That. Um, I, I, again, Wardo, he seems to be like um that, that one you guys just put out when they were chasing mule deer was really good. I actually just watched that one, mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, it was really well done. So is that Tell me a little bit of the process of like putting these these films together. And now they're all you guys have. You got quite a few of them. Like you got uh, what was the one called Towing the Line when you guys went on that goat yep. hunt? Yeah, that was, was that...
3: the. Sorry, go ahead, Kim. Yeah.
1: Oh, I was just going to say, like, just could you just tell me a bit of like the process of like going through like you know the, putting that all together?
3: Yeah. So um, I uh, I always have or or find. Good guys to to work with on this stuff. So you know whether they're subcontractors or or whatever the case may be, that'll do all the stuff that I don't know how to do. Like I can't run the camera. I'm, oh, I'm not, okay, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not I'm not like Adam Foss. Yeah. You know, that can can do it all. Can hunt uh-huh. hunt hard and and also do all the camera stuff too. You know, um, so we would uh would come up with an idea and um and you know to to go and do this to to fund it because I'm because I'm not doing it myself. You know, I got to hire people to. To, you know film and edit and and all that sort of stuff we would then um you know take it to you know the brands partners sponsors whatever you want to call them that, that that we work with and um you know we're we're really lucky here in BC in so many ways I mean there's a lot of stuff that we could criticize about wildlife and wildlife management and access and that sort of stuff in the province but at the end of the day you know as we would say to a lot of these brands like what do you guys want to see because we can probably go and get it you know yeah. and minus yeah. minus a few species so um, there was a time frame there where, you know, we had some really good relationships with a lot of those brands that, that wanted to work with us on the, on the film front. And we just, you know, frankly, half the time it was just, what's the, what's the craziest idea we can come up with that's actually, you know, <laughs> has at least a bit of a chance and let's just go and try and do it. And we, we'd film it and, and, and then, you know, the, the real work in, in terms of, you know, those being good films that people want to watch all came from you know the editing and the and the videography videographer team um i just kind of stepped away and got got out of their way and let them let them do their thing mostly the yeah
1: time. is it hard to find cameramen that could actually like go out to the backcountry and be okay with being out there like oh yeah i, I mean because like you got you got the, a couple of guys like you said foss and then there's like tree Hearn like guys badass mm-hmm. backcountry guys but I just don't see there being a lot of guys. Cause like me with a camera, like my cell phone and that's it. Like video mm-hmm. and picture. That's about all I got. I'm fucking useless with a camera. And like yeah. my kids are like, you should take YouTube videos and like do this. I'm like, fuck, I'm lucky to take a, like I I'll have intentions of doing that. And then 12 hours in on the, on a 10 day hunt or a five day hunt. I'm like, fuck this. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm not interested. I'll take a picture wow. of it's dead. And that's about it.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, this and I, and I, I'm in the same, same boat for sure. Kevin, you know I've, I've gone through periods where I'll be like, Oh, I'll take a GoPro. Like that's not hard to use and run. And it's, you know, it's not the best footage, but it's also like really raw and real. So maybe, maybe I'll try that. And then it sits in the pack the entire time, or then yeah. I'll take a, a better, like, you know, some of the, the really good, like digital point shoots. I've had, I think two of those, which I've sold because they sit in my pack or on my pack belt for a hunt and I never pull the damn thing out. And so I, I yeah, I, I always relied on, on people who were a lot better at that stuff than, than me. And and yeah, I mean, coming back to your question, it wasn't easy there. I guess I was, I was lucky that I got introduced to enough people that were either one of two things. They're either really competent with the camera stuff and were willing and and most importantly interested in kind of getting out there, getting after it when it comes to harder, you know, mountain and backcountry stuff. And they just knew that they were going to take some lumps but they were going to get through it or guys that were definitely capable in the mountains and were learning the camera side and were really motivated to learn the camera side and they just always showed up ready you know maybe I would meet them you know whatever let's say in the spring and we'd have you know a, a trip and a, and a film plan to be filmed you know in the fall or the winter and they, they'd just be ready so I was again just fortunate to meet enough That's people nice. that had the drive no matter what, whether they were, you know, really good on cameras and had the drive to get, you know, fitter or tougher, or were already fit and tough and had the drive to get better with the cameras so that they they knew that they could do the job when they got out there.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Have you ever had one quit on you? No, I haven't. And that,
3: that's a common story. You know, you hear a lot of guys say that. And, uh, you know, I, you know, just a lot of people that a guy just bails, they get two, three days in, they're like, no way, I can't do this. I'm hiking out, I'm out of here. Or, you know, I can't climb to the top. And, we pushed a couple guys to their limits to, to the brink yeah yeah uh, physically <laughs> but um but they always got there yeah. they always got there they they might have you know been a few minutes or much longer behind us but they always got there and so it was probably yeah. close for for a couple but but they they soldiered through and then the cool thing is a lot of those guys who had maybe like i can think of one from the island who um had just started hunting so he'd done you know some bear hunting some blacktail stuff but you know almost like basically day hunts Mm. and uh now after going on some of those trips he he got the sickness too and he's and he's doing you know bigger hunts and that sort of stuff so um it just been real real lucky to to you know find people that that can do can do the things you know we need them to do and and have a good time out there yeah i imagine that's that's
2: got to be a a mentally tough thing too for a cameraman like it's we all, we all understand the mental toughness that it is for the hunter, you know, to go through your steps to one, not bump an animal to, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, just to get yourself to that point where you can get to the tops of the mountains. But I guess to also have that mental clarity to still be able to run the camera and get those shots that you actually need, not just put the camera on and record, mm-hmm. but to actually get that stuff that's interesting, that makes me want to watch your show. Yeah, Imagine that's got to be a skill set in its own to to do that
3: part oh yeah and and you know the thing i find pete is um so kind of coming back to those two you know camps if we want to think of it that way right the guy that's already a hunter and, and knows what it takes to be out there he's just got to learn you know this is the camera people out there are gonna roast me on this but they kind of just needs to learn the settings right just run the thing just like learn your bow or learn your gun mm-hmm. um so he's good. Right. Um, but I actually find that what's better is somebody who is maybe a little less experienced on the hunting side of it only because they're going to bring a different perspective to it than you would see in in a, in a lot of, you know, hunting films, videos, whatever you want to call them. And yeah, I mean, mistakes are going to happen. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to stay on your hip as a stock's happening or they're, going to, you know, skyline themselves in the alpine or whatever it might be, but nine times out of 10 you can have a pretty, you know, good talk with them beforehand, do this, don't do that, if I do this, do this, you know, that sort of thing so they can learn quickly. Um but yeah, I mean it takes a lot of a lot of focus in the moment to be able to do all that stuff when you you know you're in the heat of the moment and you know, if we're talking elk hunting, this is the one shot you're going to get on a trip or or whatever it might be. So, um the uh the the old trial by fire right otj like learn out there and they you either learn fast or or you don't and we've been lucky with everyone's you know managed to to learn fast while we're out there
1: yeah i could see that being definitely more valuable just having someone um that's a little little newer to the game just so you can kind of mold them the way you want uh
3: that's yeah that's exactly it yeah that's exactly it yeah
1: kind of like taking your kid out um my oldest, we t- I took him out last year and I've told the story already before, but like, you know, it's like you, you've done all the, you've done this, these steps tens of thousands of times, right? So you know where to step, you know, what, you know, you check in the wind, you know, where not to go to this and you go taking a 10 year old out and it's like, man, don't step here, step here, don't step here. Why are you going like that? You're moving too fast. You're moving too slow. You're doing this. is like, so Yeah. But I mean, you, you can't replace it, but I can see that being sort of the, or sort of the same. Absolutely.
3: No, it's very, very much the same. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So when you started, uh, when you started the journal and beyond the kill, did you have, was this always in your, like, what was your, your end game, your end goal with, with the whole, your three whole brand?
3: Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question, Kevin. I don't think I had an end game at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I I had, when I launched it, like the journal before this is obviously before the podcast, I have no idea if anybody would, would be interested. Right. And so, uh, created a, mm-hmm. like a really basic website on my own and, uh, you know, just one of those like drag and drop website builders and, and uh, you know, kind of put up some, you know, basically like a promise of the material to come. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and actually I, I misspoke, I launched that. I want to say in June. And then the first, like the first like issue with that whole idea of it being a digital magazine. Came out in August. So back in in June, I put up this you know, kind of skeleton site, and just kind of seated it around. You know, shared it on a few forums and blah 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 blah, um, and uh, just kind of sat back and waited. And, and it, you know, had the ability for people to, to sign up for you know for more information when it launched. And we had a thousand people sign up in like 24 hours. Oh really? And, wow. Yeah. Which you know, in today's day and age, that doesn't sound like a big number, and maybe it even wasn't back then, but it was, it was obvious that there were other people that were interested in this, in this material. And, and, and uh, so that was my like, well, I guess I got to do something with this thing now. Right. It was almost like a a test or an experiment when I first did it. And then um, just kept plugging away at it. I mean, I I guess if I was going to answer the question um, there, there's always a desire to maybe create a, like a print version. So obviously with it you know being a website it's pretty low cost and mm-hmm. you know you can log in at any time and update content and all that sort of stuff but print's a that's an investment right you gotta you know get all that material together send it off to print order you know however many issues you're going to order and then hope that people people buy it and when we eventually did um launch a couple print editions print issues i guess and uh that didn't uh, sell as well as i would i would have liked so we we, we kind of pulled back on that um but the podcast at the same time had, had started to really gain some legs. And so, um, you know, it was, I'm not trying to dance around the, the question on you, Kevin. It was just a, in many ways, kind of like a hunt, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's going, let's see what, what happens here. Let's see where, where, you know, the, the audience are in, or to use the hunting analogy, the animals take us. And I've yeah. just kind of followed that path the, the whole way through.
1: Yeah, no doubt. But like, that was like when you first started um it was kind of a niche for you because like you get all like i imagine most of your listeners were probably from or a lot a lot of them from the u.s but like for mm-hmm. the guys who don't have access like we have access to mm-hmm. sheep moose like whatever we want it's otc right mm-hmm. but like y- your platform your what your podcast you guys it was kind of like it's a dream hunt for all these guys so it's like mm-hmm it's definitely, it was definitely a niche market and like a thousand, thousand subscribers right off the get go. That's pretty good. I mean, especially for, you know, back then when, you know, there wasn't not, it wasn't accessible as it is now. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like even like just podcasts in general, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot of platforms for them compared to their, what there's, what it is now.
3: No, no. And it's, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it was just the dream hunt side of it. Right. That uh, pulled so many people in. I mean, we know that, you know, BC, Alberta, obviously up in the territories, the whole, you know, Western down to the Southwestern United States. There's a lot of, you know, hunters mm-hmm. and, you know, whatever you want to call them, mountain backcountry, Western hunters. And um, I honestly think a big part of it was there was just n- nothing really else out there doing this. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, the a lot of it was inspired by, um, you know, the stuff you'd see from Sikir and Kuyu where you would see the success of that, right? Like they were going on hunts up in the NWT or or wherever it was, right? Uh, or the Yukon. And you know they were building a whole apparel business on clothing made for those hunts. And yet how many of the people buying, I mean, you, you talk about niche, right? Like how many people that are buying those clothes are actually going on those hunts yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, and so I guess that was part of the the, maybe not the plan, but the thinking at least was, well, there's obviously a lot of people that are interested in this and I'm certainly one of them. And, um, let's just keep plugging away at putting out as much content as we could. Um, that kind of fell into that basket of, of mountain or backcountry hunting. And, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's kept on, kept on keeping on, you know?
1: Yeah, no, well, you've done a great job building it, buddy. It's been, well, uh, it's been awesome that. to follow you and listen to all that stuff. But, uh, how do you find like managing home life and these hunts you do? What do you do? Like how many hunts do you do? Do you do, Try to just plan one big one a year, and then try to keep the rest low key. Because I know for myself, it's not easy, and it gets harder and harder as my kids get older. You know, like they get into more stuff, and then like all of a sudden, you know, you need a roof, and blah blah blah. Your wife's doing this, and you know.
3: yeah, no, for sure I do. And, you know, if you want to come back to the plan, maybe that would be the more honest answer. It was just so I could have the excuse to call it work. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Smart. You know,
1: Smart. Uh, like
3: and, you know, like we don't make money making films, but I got to be out there, you know? Yeah. So uh, no, it was, um, <laughs> it, it was easier for sure. When the kids were younger, you know, in many ways that's obviously tough around my wife, because we all know what, what babies are like and the time demands, but you also know that, they don't ask as much of their dads as they do with their moms when they're, when they're know babies and into toddlers. Um, so over the last couple of years, I guess it's, it's probably dialed back a little bit, but I uh, usually get out for two bigger hunts. So, um, you know, low end seven days more, more often than not 10 days and then uh, 10 to 14 days. So a couple of those, and then, you know, maybe a handful of three or four day hunts on top of that. So, um, you know, my, I got to give my wife credit. She's been very understanding of, of my, my need for that sort of thing, work or not. Let's be honest. It's I would do it if it, if it wasn't part of the job. Um, yep. so she's been really understanding of that, but it is harder. Like it's a lot harder these days, you know, now the, the boys, when they know I'm going to be gone, you know, they're, they're upset. They don't yeah. want dad to be gone for 10 yep. days, 14 days, wherever the case may be. And, that, uh, yeah, it's, that feels pretty shitty, you know, when, when, when they, when they voice those concerns, um, but, uh, and it's, it's, we're this year in particular, uh, like this upcoming season is probably going to be one of my, my, you know, lower volume years, just by nature of of stuff we got going on, on the family front or the the kid front. And, uh, you know, I can't complain because I've been on some, some pretty fun months and had had and done so pretty consistently I mean there were years where there'd be at least 3 10 plus day hunts and that would slot in or include I should say like the winter hunts. And that's what I always tried to do was create big spaces between them um so that uh you know it was you know t- tough when I was gone but there was a long you know sort of drying out period where I was around for 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 quite a quite a time. And that was you know, I hadn't even actually thought about that. That was part of the the winter goat hunt interest was not only was it just straight up something I wanted to do it was at a time of year where yeah, um, there wasn't really a whole lot else going on mm-hmm. and, and uh, it was kind of easy to escape for, for that time frame.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's yeah, amazing. definitely. That, that's what I find it. And it's not really on like my, I try, like I kind of schedule, like I won't have plan a bear hunt because I got to figure out what my kid's baseball schedule is like, mm-hmm. like I just, like, just the guilt will absolutely eat me up of missing a basket. you know, missing a baseball practice or not taking them to his game or you know mm. that that I find it's just really hard. And now I got another one coming up who's in, you know, soccer and baseball. And then I got my daughter's in skating and I gotta be there. She wants she loves me to tire skates up every time. And it's
3: like,
1: yeah, yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be probably long, long days after the the nice thing is though, like with the spring bear, I really love the spring bear because it allows you the opportunity I can still go hunting at seven o'clock at night, and that's yes. really when it's getting good. Yeah, so everything's wound yeah. down by then. So yeah. Uh, it's not too yeah,
3: bad. It, it always makes me chuckle, especially more recently. Um, you know, I, I, get out there with, with guys who are, you know, a fair bit younger than me and you know, you know how guys are right. Yeah. A couple of beers and oh, all of a yeah. sudden, you know, we're, we're getting into measuring contests, but who's done what, or who's gone where, who gets out more. And I just got to look at some of these guys. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, one do it now. Cause yeah. you know, a bunch of them don't have kids, but come talk to me when you got two kids, and see yeah. how much you're getting out there and how hard you're getting after it, brother. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. because it's it's easy to be like, oh, that guy barely even gets gets out anymore. Or, you know, how much does, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, you know, I honestly would say that the the guy or the gal, you know, the the mom that's got kids, the 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 dads that got the dad that has kids that gets out in these little snippets, right? Three days here, two days there, four days there, that sort of thing, and they can still get it done. I mean, Your hat's that's going more, to be off to them. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah, that's man. more more impressive than the dude that, that's out there for three, 10, 14 day trips a year. Who's like, yeah, I yeah. got another whatever. Like, cool. I mean, if I had forty days to hunt, I'd probably have a lot of success too. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. And so it's yeah, for sure, Pete. Like you said, I mean, hats off to those that that juggle that schedule and still, you know, one managed to get out and two managed to have some some success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You got to have a good good old lady at home. That's for sure. Pete was yeah. smart. He uh, <laughs> he had him young. Yeah. Yeah, I sacrificed my twenties and lost. when ones... you're 40, it's like it's all worth it when you're 40. When you're 20, it oh. fucking would suck. Cause I had buddies who had kids when they're 20s, and it was like, man, we were on them all the time, right? Like, oh yeah. They're at home with their girlfriend, we're texting them, we're calling, like, come out, you pussy, let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're at home, like, fuck, man, I got fucking kids. I can't come out, you idiot. I'm like, fuck. But yeah, now, now all your kids are I growing look- up and like I'm like, ah. and they're like I- they're going to mexico and freaking going on hunts and then just got more no, money to no do stuff thing.
2: well what yeah. do you
1: what do you mean you have to go to a baseball game well i'm, I'm gonna
2: go hunting right now <laughs> you're <They're> not like <laughs> uh, tomorrow too oh you got you got figure skating
1: to go to too. Oh, yeah well, and they make great, sure but... <laughs> those guys that i gave a hard time to they make sure yeah. they're oh, giving oh, it oh, back yeah. to me twofold
3: it's elephant memory, right? He's like, Oh yeah, yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah, it might be yeah. 20 years from now, but I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No doubt. So what kind of hunch you got planned for this year?
3: Great question. This is actually, you know, coming, coming back to being a low volume year. This is at this stage of the year. I usually have, um, you know, a few things that are, you know, one or two things that are planned and then, you know, in, into the, like the final stages of, of mapping out the, you know, usually the big one, um, Bear hunt in June. Um, that's that'll be well, let me just look at the calendar five days. Um, I'll probably get out for some evenings, like you, like you guys mm-hmm. were saying, right? Um, more locally. But that one's a you know, a, traveling to hunt. Um, and then for the fall, right now, that's that's actually wide open. There, you know, there there may be some goat hunts. I haven't been out goat hunting myself actually in a couple of years. Um, so I might uh might make that happen. I don't think a sheep hunt's gonna happen this year. Um as much as that 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 pains me to say, but it's been two years in a row of being gone for 14 days in August, and my wife has mm-hmm. uh, given me a bit of an ultimatum on on that one because um, <laughs> uh, she she likes the summer in the Okanagan, and uh, yeah. being gone for for half of one of the best months as long as it's not too smoked out is uh, is usually not uh, doesn't make her too happy. Oh but,
1: man, yeah, yeah. That, see yeah. fucking smoky years we've had yeah. like in Kelowna here, man. We've yeah, we've you had, guys had it really bad, yeah, dude. It's been brutal. Like last year last year was good last year a couple years before it was gross it seemed like it just came and never ended there was two years in a row there
2: remember it was one after another you guys had the fires real close to you Mm -hmm. and then i think the second year it was basically everywhere in bc kind of had a fire so it was just a matter what way the wind blew oh yeah yeah. Yeah, that was it was gross when you could taste it
3: yeah so she she, she doesn't she doesn't mind if i'm gone and it's you know fully smoked out and everyone's kind of stuck inside you're not really you know doing all the fun summer stuff but uh you know, in those nice years, she, uh, she'd just rather me be around. So yeah. anyways, long story long, um, doesn't look like a sheep hunt's going to happen this year. I might, might pull a, pull a ram out of my hat yet, but, um, it looks like, you know, the kind of coming back to figuring out the right time of year to go as it relates to family and kids stuff. It looks like that October, November timeframe for some goats is mm-hmm. probably what's going to end up eating up most of my time. And then I, uh, I, I, would like I've for years and, you know, I know you guys are are right into the elk side of things and I've kind of dabbled in and out of it for years, always felt that unless you're going North, um, I can't say I felt, I feel like the hard lesson lessons I've learned chasing elk over the last few years, you know, intermittently was these, you know, kind of hail Marys of I'm going for five days and that's it or mm-hmm. seven days. And that's it yeah. is not nearly as effective as spreading that out over, you know, two or three days at a time over a much longer time frame And, uh, I might, I might, uh, kind of test that theory, I guess this year, because, you know, we've been mm-hmm. like that, that hunt, um, we were talking about earlier that, you know, that film we had, uh, Win, you know, we had, I think it was seven days planned. We thought we had timed it just right with a little bit of, you know, buffer for, for time in the rut. And, um, we might've been just straight up in the wrong spot. No question about that. But, uh, it was, it didn't seem like we'd timed it right. And we knew guys that were, that were in the West Kootenays and the, they're like, oh man, the weekend before was just going off. And even this, this elk hunt we were on this past year up, up, up in the North, um, you know, uh, one of the guys I was out there with had said, you know, literally five days before we got there, it was like a dozen bugles a day, you know, it yeah, was just wow. going off. And then we get there and it's, there is literally not, we didn't hear a single chirp, mew, bugle the entire time, still managed to, to get a bull, but, um didn't hear a single thing and so um like that's a long way of saying this year I wouldn't mind testing this theory of two days and then you know okay out and try again two days out and try again you know, afternoon two or three or three or yeah stuff like that
1: yeah afternoon region eight has great great elk I mean I've had this conversation with my buddies up north lots about elk quality and just elk numbers and then um luckily my elk last year kind of shut them all up. So, uh, but yeah, there's great elk on region eight around here, man. So, yeah.
3: Yeah. And that's you know, and again, that's another thing like this, you know, sort of narrow minded view of the North, the North, the North, the North for like basically my entire time in BC, I haven't put in the time to learn as much as I should have locally. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, it was, and it was more, you know, it was kind of a, that, that decision, right. Am I going to take a day on the weekend or whenever away from the family to go and, scout for elk when I have no intention of hunting around here this year probably doesn't make sense I'll I'll save those days for um you know kind of add them to the hunt I do have planned but um you know I've I've been out enough to know that it's there's some opportunities around here and I just got to put in a lot more time to to learn it and and just boots on the ground you know yeah well and
1: but the the nice thing about hunting in your own backyard is it is your backyard so you know yeah yeah early mornings you can go out late afternoons you know you can take your kid out with you and just do some glass and some scouting and mm-hmm. that's what I've always you know in the last since my kids are young and that's kind of what I've always just focused on I kind of you know I've been up no back up north for hunts a few times but not a lot I mean I lived up there so it's not really intrigued to go back up there type of thing mm-hmm. and I just found you know I, I found just kind of a niche down here just chasing the critters that you know, white tailed deer that are half an hour away, an hour away and bears. And, you know, down here, we got great quality of bears, beautiful. Like obviously up north, they're a lot bigger, but like just the color of the bears oh, we yeah. have down here, yeah. uh, are phenomenal and the mule deer. I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but I mean, like, if you told me I can hunt one thing and my, the rest of my life, it'd be a mule deer and there's no mule deer up north. So. Indeed.
3: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and it's, and I think it's part, part of, kind of like we were saying, right, this, this need to you know shift priorities and, and mm-hmm. juggle mm-hmm. life depending on you know ages and stages of your kids I, I feel I guess kind of in my gut that I'm entering into that stage where these you know really taking advantage of those local opportunities and bringing the boys along as as they age into it which my my eldest is 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 just there um is is where my time is going to be spent more and more I'll let's yeah be lying if I if I sat here and said I'm not going to try and get in, into, you know, some Alpine, you know, full on mountain hunt at least once a year, if I can. But, um, you know, I've, uh, I sound like I'm retiring here. I've, I've, had a good run, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, I, I have, you know, like I've, I've been on, been on some pretty, pretty fun hunts and some, in some pretty cool areas. And, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be every, every single year, especially when you got little ones that you want to, as you know, you're asking me at the beginning there, Kevin, right. That you want to start to introduce to the outdoors and, yeah. and, uh, priorities just got to shift around a little
1: bit yeah no doubt um there's a lure to it too and there's always like as we get older i, I don't know how old you are adam but like i'm 44 and as we get older you still want to like i still have the need to compete as if i was 20 like i still have oh, to prove absolutely. to myself i can do shit still you absolutely. know what i mean that's why I, I work out every day and i get into all you know 100 kilometer runs and shit like that, just because I have to prove to myself that I can still do it. Because Mm -hmm. when I was younger, it was no problem. But as you get older, you just like that question in the back of your head is like, how long am I going to be able to keep doing this? So I got to, I got to, I got to get the most out of it. Now that I can, I got to take it all in right now. And I got to give her because I never know one day it might be over. Yeah. Well, it's one it's one freak injury. Yes. And that's that's all yeah. it takes. It,
2: yeah. You know, not doing anything wrong, just a freak injury and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's like I can't go hunt anymore. Or I can't yeah. go hike anymore, or, you know, like you're you're limited yeah. a, you know in one little flash.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, and it's it, I'm I'm 43, Kevin, and and uh I'm I'm not joking when I say that probably my number one motivator to to train, you know, pretty consistently is that when my boys are, you know, 16, 17, 18, they look at dad and be like, fuck me, would you slow down? Yeah. Because I want, I just, that's, that that's important to me. I want them yeah. to know that, I mean, there's an example being set there, sure. Um, but it's also like, I want to be able to to take them to some of these, these spots I've been to. I mean, hopefully we still can, but I want to be able to to take them up north and, and go on a sheep hunt or a goat hunt uh-huh. or, or moose hunt yeah. or whatever it might be, you know. Um and, uh, and, and yeah, like there's like, I was out on a bear hunt last spring with a crew of guys and they were everywhere from six to 13 years younger than me. And I hiked the fucking pants off them nice. and, and I felt, and I, I don't want that to come across as, you know, arrogant or anything like that, but you know, I didn't know. I went into this, I'm like, shit, I'm looking yeah. some, some young cats, so like, how's this going to go? Yeah. And, uh, and it felt good. I'll be honest, like coming yeah, back man. to that competing thing. Right. It felt fucking good. Right. And, get back to the trucks a good 15, 20 minutes before they did, because they're just nursing their blisters or taking uh-huh. breaks at the top of every incline yeah. and blah, 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 blah. And yeah, you could say they were hiking smart. I promise you, they weren't hiking smart. They were just being pussies. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it felt, uh, it felt good, you know, like it's that, uh, that old, that old man or dad strength, whatever you want to call it. It's a, uh, it's a real thing. Yeah. You know and it's it's a,
1: there's a mental strength that's there too. You know what I mean? Like as young men, mm-hmm. you haven't been through enough. When you're, we're all young, we like to think that we're tough and invincible, but we just haven't like everybody, we've all done it where we just think we're, you know, you, we think our, our dicks three feet big, right? Like there's nothing, <laughs> nothing could beat us, but like, you don't realize is that you hear this old man strength. It's just, it's the mentality, you know what, mm-hmm. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's that you have, as you get older, you get callous to life and then you just create strength and like your mind can do amazing things. And that's what the strength come from. Yeah. And it's We're a, it's a nice
2: inspiration too when you do get to hike the living crap off the younger oh, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you know, it's it's it shows them that, especially ones that are like 10 years younger than you, it's like if you put in the time and effort, and especially the effort, you can be like there's no reason you can't be at the same level as as yourself, yeah. you know, the other mm-hmm. person. It's like this is where you could be or better, but mm-hmm. you have to earn it. It's not yeah it's not given yeah yeah, yeah. I just proved and, it because don't get me ass. yeah
1: and don't get me wrong though when you're in your 40s you definitely have to work outside of it a lot more than you did when you were 20 because when you were 20 it seemed like you go for a run and you were in shape and that was it it was over yeah you didn't yeah. have to do anything else yeah as you get older it's definitely a little different
3: well yeah and there's no question about that right like these a lot of the guys I I run with that are I don't mean run literally like I'm I'm out there with that are you know a number of years younger they uh They kind of roll their eyes at, you know, we, on our podcast, we talk a lot about training for mountain Mm -hmm. hunting and backcountry hunting and that sort of stuff. We had a lot of content out there and they're like, oh yeah, whatever, you gym rat, just wait, son, like, there's a point where where you better be doing that stuff because, you know, one, you know, like you said, Pete, you don't, you're more prone to injuries. It's just fact. Two, um, like you said, Kevin, you, you can't, you can't really cheat it anymore. You got, you got to put in, you got to put in that time and that effort to to be ready and it takes more work. It takes more time mm-hmm. and you gotta, you just gotta keep at it. But if you do, you can keep going at this, you know, barring a, a freak accident or injury, like you were saying, Pete, you can keep going well, well into, you know, 50, even 60. It might be a little bit slower. You might not be able to carry quite as much weight, but you're probably going to be a lot smarter anyways and, yeah. and still, still get the opportunities regardless. And, uh, and so it's, there's no question, right. That, 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 <laughs> That mindset when you're younger, uh, you don't you don't know uh kind of how good you have it physically. Um yeah. and uh and at some point the the reckoning does come. Oh
1: yeah, it does. You gotta pay the bill eventually, no mm-hmm. doubt. Mm-hmm. So do you put in for LEHs around here? Or are you guys you just focused on all OTC stuff?
3: Yeah, you know, I um I go hot and cold on on LEH again because I was so focused on the North. I, I mean, I sure I'd put in for the, like, you know, the, the crazy tags that, you know, anyone would take if they could, but I wouldn't build my, my schedule or my plans around LEH because I would in default just be like, we'll go North and you know, it's region six moose. It's any bull. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's, you know, uh, an mm-hmm. LEH tag or not. Um, so I haven't done a ton of that. I, I did a little bit locally. Um, I'd often put in until it got closed there, the, the park sheep tag. Um, I spent a lot of time, not a lot of time, a decent amount of time in, in in the park here, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I put in for that sheep tag a bunch, um, and, uh, the, some goat tags as well, like a couple of my winter goat or one of my winter, winter goat tags, I guess I should, or goat hunts, I should say was, was a, was a draw tag. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't do a ton of it. I don't do a ton of it. Right. Gotcha.
1: What about, uh, your animal? Do you have one? You got to do one animal for the rest of your life. Oh, <laughs> putting you on the spot.
3: It's it'd be elk. I, I the elk. I can't, I can't say, yeah, it's, uh, you know, coming back to moving out here. Um, I just started to, you know, kind of have that fascination of elk. And then after getting my first one, you know, you got those two plowshares like mm-hmm. way out here and you're just like, this thing is, how is this, you know, a normal animal yep. on the planet, you know, and, uh, I've still not had that like bugle fest hunt experience The you know, the first bull I shot, we heard it. We got woken up by a bugle that morning, but I don't know if it was him. It probably was cause it was up the same little drainage and, um, tributary that we were, we were hunting. Um, we assume it was him, but there's enough elk up there. It could have been, could have been any, any bull. Right. Um, and then this one, this, this past fall, uh, that we didn't hear, we didn't hear a peep. Um, but, uh, I don't know what it is about them. I, maybe it's because I didn't grow up with them. You know, I've, been, been moose hunting a bunch and like, I love it. It's fun, but I just, it's just elk. Like I I love sheep and I need to get a ram. I don't have a ram yet. Um, and, and, uh, and you know, that's, there's not much like sheep country. Um, but if it was just, if I only had that one animal every year, it would be it'd be elk for sure. Yeah.
1: They're amazing critter. That's Pete's
3: that's oh, Pete's yeah. go to pick too. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. There's nothing like a screaming bull coming in, tearing everything up in front of you,
3: mm-hmm. just in especially a, especially when you rage. call
0: them
1: in, like when you call them in, it's like yeah. nothing else. Like I'm not a good caller. Like my cousin, first bull, first elk I ever shot, he did all the work. He called it in and like, he had that thing on a string, man. And it came right there and it was like 50 yards. And I remember walking up on that thing the first time and I was like, holy fuck, this thing is cool. Like I've seen yeah. them, you see them on, you know, you see them. You see them, you've even seen them like on the walls, but when you actually see them there and get your hands on them for the first time, you're like, wow, this thing is fucking That's cool. some walls. Yeah, there's a
2: few years ago when we got our elk. I was out with my hunting partner there. It was the last day of elk season. We'd been into the elk every single time we were out there. Either just the the legal bull or bulls that we knew were in the area you just weren't there when we were there. Um, but we knew there was a couple herds kind of circling in the area, 20 minutes left of the last day, got two bulls, absolutely screaming, which is pretty unheard of because it's, you know, you're on your second, the end of your second rut, basically mm-hmm. like they're mm-hmm. picking up a few cows here and there and literally got lucky enough to, I got one bull going and he must've been, we figure a kilometer or two kilometers off just by the distance of his bugle but then it consistently got closer and closer and closer. And I basically started up, we call it an elk party just with cows Mm. and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, it Mm -hmm. sounded like five, six different calls on me. That thing cut the distance in half. And all of a sudden there was a second bull coming up with cows from another direction. And those two started screaming at each other. And I was like, I just bowed out. I was like, you guys do your thing for a little while. And I'm going (laughs) to chirp in here and there because you guys are really good at this. (laughs) And they both got close. I knew one was probably within 60, 70 yards of me, but I couldn't see him because it's super thick. Mm -hmm. And the other one cut across and all of a sudden, bang, heard the gunshot from my my partner. And he said that freaking bull was on like a dead run and just stopped in the middle of the field. You heard something so maybe the other the other bulls cows or something like that right and it was it's just insane when they get going the heart
1: it, it's hard to stop the heart from just coming out of your chest oh you so hard yeah if you can feel it run through your spine you get one the yeah. deep bugle yeah it's pretty cool yeah, no yeah. Doubt. i
3: remember the, the, the very first time i heard a bugle was was actually not in bc i was uh uh had gone down uh fishing with my dad and, and one of his buddies down in the US. And uh, we were flying in out of Denver and uh, we had some time to kill. And the, his buddy lived in the Denver area. He's like, Oh, let's drive out to, I think it's called Rocky mountain park or something like that. It's like an hourish drive outside of Denver. And there's, I mean, you, I think most of the people listening will will know that there's a shit pile of elk in Colorado, like a lot of elk. <laughs> and so there's this spot you could just drive up to like a pure tourist thing. Right. And uh, it was this big meadow and there's I don't know 200 elk in it and probably 15 bulls and you know my memory is we all know what memory is like but to me he was a monster I don't know if he was or not but he was a monster and he was just in that middle of that field just letting loose even now like I'm getting my my hair standing up on end on my arms thinking about it right and that's just the this otherworldly sound and yeah it was uh I don't know if that was the moment that I kind of got hooked but um it's a sound you you don't ever, you don't ever forget. Um, the closest I had to, you know, one coming in with any sort of excitement was, was this one this past year, he started to just annihilate a tree. Um, we were in super, super thick brush. I mean, basically welcome to BC. Right. Um, and, uh, I couldn't see anything, not a, not a thing. Right. We heard, um, a guy's one of the guys I was out with, he, uh, we're, we stopped for a break And, uh, we were just kind of hanging out and, you know, having a snack and he's like, well, we got to, we're going to go down here. All right, let's, let's go. And right as I'm putting my pack on, he's like, stop, 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 stop. And, uh, he's like, I smell something, I smell something. And he'd said this like 15 times over the, like the last three days. So in my head, I'm like, yeah, whatever. Sure. Another, another (laughs) ghost elk. Right. And then I hear it too. And you hear this, like, like a wrist size branch pop snap. Like, well, that's not a squirrel. And, uh, so, um, I was, I was the shooter and uh, he's like, you know, come forward, come forward. I get up into this position and then we're talking like, I don't even have 20 yards of a, of a sight line, this, this thick sort of peace country brush. And, uh, I can hear him, the bull walking slowly. We, We haven't seen him at all. We don't know what his antlers are, anything like that. And, uh, in terms of points, I mean, and, um, and all of a sudden I'm, I'm kind of crouched down. I've got my, my gun up. And just you know, waiting to see where which direction he goes, and I just see this like fifteen foot tall tree just start going <laughs> from side to side, and he was just manhandling that thing. And uh, it was at that point I was like that the the excitement kicked in to say the least. Yeah. And then he ended yeah. up walking into a, a decent shooting window, and I, I got one in him. Uh, nice but nice. but again like no no bugling but still like just seeing that tree just yeah. get destroyed i was like oh man here it comes
2: so i'm just excited that. listening to it yeah Picture i know it. it's like yeah let's go so, uh, yeah. What are we? march <laughs> april may june july
1: oh it's oh, so so a few <laughs> it's a long ways way. <laughs> yeah long way long yeah. way well thanks for coming on the show buddy it's been a blast uh you know it, it's oh, my funny pleasure. i was telling nolan too when i started this podcast i kind of had a list of all the guys i wanted to get on to and you were like You know i meant to reach out to you a long time ago and try to get you on the show and then you know you get a guest here and there and then pete showed up and he hasn't stopped talking since and (laughs) so uh yeah but uh you know i really appreciate your time and and coming on and beyond the kill and obviously everybody listening to this podcast is going to know about yours uh you got a great product over there and great brand you've built got anything for uh adam pete no just thanks for coming on i mean between you and nolan
2: it's been great and yeah, it's it's been a real pleasure. Love, love listening to you guys' podcast and everything, and yeah, I enjoyed it every morning when it comes on.
1: Yeah, well, Wardo's well, gonna I, come on too. I just haven't told him yet. So, oh, awesome! I'll, yeah, I'll, nice, bre- nice. I'll break the news to him this week.
2: You just, <laughs> just got to tell him you got to tweak his bow a little bit and get the bow, and then he's got to come back for it.
1: And we go. Oh, by the way, we're doing. I this. got his. I got his new strings right here. Oh, perfect! I've had them for, had him for well, a. Bit. Y- y-
3: you see the problem is he's shooting an adult bow and he should be shooting a children's bow. Right. So, you know, yeah, he talks about oh, 80 pound draw weight or whatever the, whatever the hell it is, you know? So, uh, you know, that's, that's part of the problem, right? You were, you were tuning for somebody much smaller than, uh, than, uh, than, than the bow is suited to, but no guys, I, I really, really appreciate, uh, you know, the invite on and, um, and yeah, and, and the kind words and, and, you know, the support through listening and, and reading the, the content over the years, it, it means a lot, right? Like it's, you know like i said at the outset it was never created to to you know make uh, any one of us you know nolan myself or any other guys like you know the next great white hunter it was just to put out some some content that hopefully helped people or stuff we were interested in and that sort of thing and when we hear from guys that get after it that they they enjoy the material it, it, it means everything it, it really does so i yeah. really appreciate it
1: that's great okay yeah, we'll talk to you later you. see you later Pete. yeah wow. Hope Have a good guys one. thanks yeah. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the Focus Hunting Podcast, coming at you as part of the Waypoint Outdoors production. Pete and I wanted to thank all you guys, the listeners, for tuning into the over past 100 episodes of the show. This journey has been a lot of fun for both Pete and I, and we couldn't do it without your guys' support, so we really value that. And uh, you're going to notice a bunch of promo codes down in the show notes. Use them. Save a bunch. Love you guys. Until the next time.